Hello, Vitality Explorers. Dr. Alan Mishra with you again with another edition of the Vitality Explorer podcast. So this podcast is going to be sponsored by Caffeine and Coffee. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to be talking about caffeine and coffee a little bit today. And that's why we're going to start with this quote for this week's Vitality Explorer podcast. Quote, good coffee is cheaper than Prozac. All right, good coffee is cheaper than Prozac. That is from somebody who is called unknown. To this week's podcast, we're going to talk about coffee. And specifically, we're going to talk about whether two cups of coffee a day can help keep depression at bay. Second one, second topic for this week is, is sex the fountain of youth? And specifically, is more sex the fountain of youth? And finally, we're going to finish with exercise stimulates stem cells and body systems. Our goal with the Vitality Explorer podcast, as always, is to enhance your vitality, is to optimize your vitality, and also to help you make deposits into your vitality bank account. Uh, we we uh, have some core concepts that we typically reinforce, and that is number one, vitality is a skill. And the second one is vitality is a gift that only you can give yourself by taking ownership over your decisions. So let's jump right into this first one for this week, and that is could two cups of coffee a day help keep depression at bay? And this is a, a large new study that showed the value in drinking coffee in terms of reducing the risk of anxiety and depression. And this is this is really fascinating because Americans drink, wait for it, 146 billion cups of coffee per year. That's a ton of coffee. That's, a, that's way more than a ton of coffee. And interestingly, uh, International Coffee Day is October 1st, which is coming up pretty soon. And coffee is really, amazingly, second only to water as the most consumed beverage in the United States. And the, the coffee industry is worth about $80 billion a year. So it's clear that we love our cup of joe, right? And a lot has been written about the value of drinking coffee to maintain or improve your physical health. We've discussed this before on the Vitality Explorer podcast uh, and, and on the Vitality Explorer Substack site, where you can see the references to all of the information that is presented here on the podcast. But what's interesting is there's only been a little bit of discussion about the value of drinking coffee for your mental health. So that's why I wanted to highlight this paper, which was a newly published article that looked at 150,000 participants. So this qualifies as a large study. The data reviewed the you know, the coffee drinking habits in the context of developing anxiety or depression. And here's the title of the article. Uh, quote, the association between coffee consumption and risk of incident depression and anxiety, exploring the benefits of moderate intake. And here's the primary conclusion of the study. Quote, our findings highlight that two to three cups of coffee consumption could be recommended as part of a healthy lifestyle to improve mental health. Okay, that's a pretty impressive conclusion, right? The researchers identified a lower risk of depression and anxiety when subjects drank between two and three cups of coffee per day. And the risk, interestingly, of developing depression and anxiety rose after drinking six cups per day. So they call us a J-curve. And on the Vitality Explorer Substack site, you can see these curves of incident depression, which is basically, you know, are you going to develop depression and anxiety? And you can see that it goes down as you drink between two and three cups a day, and then it starts to rise after six cups. All right. So in comparison to not drinking coffee at all, there was a 21% decreased risk 
uh, of anxiety and depression uh, approximately. Um, and that was for caffeinated coffee. And this is why it's important to discuss uh, why the type of coffee matters, because it was only 12% for decaffeinated coffee coffee, and 8% for in instant coffee. All right. And then interestingly, also whether or not you had sweetened or unsweetened coffee mattered. So drinking two to three cups of unsweetened coffee or wait for it, coffee with milk um, decreased the risk of depression about 22% compared to 15% for sugar sweetened coffee and only 5% for artificially sweetened coffee. Isn't that fascinating? Um, so the similar findings were found for anxiety. There was between a 9 and 17% decreased risk of anxiety for um, unsweetened coffee or milk uh, coffee compared to 4 to 11% for sugar sweetened coffee. And uh, the 11% was for the artificially sweetened coffee. So there's, these are very interesting. You can see all of the data on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. The mechanisms by which coffee um, adds value for your mental health are absolutely fascinating. So, you know, there's a thousand biologically active uh, compounds in coffee, and they attribute the some of the value is to, to the antioxidant and anti-inflammatory roles of these molecules or these biologically active compounds in coffee. And then coffee also obviously has, you know, um, functions through the adenosine receptors in your nervous system. And here's a quote from the paper, which is focused on caffeine, by the way. Quote, caffeine exerts mainly antagonistic effects uh, on adenosine receptors after being consumed and therefore can produce antidepressant and anxiolytic effects in humans. So basically the caffeine within the coffee can act sort of like an antidepressant or anxiety medication. Really amazing, right? So further research, I think, is needed to confirm exactly why coffee can mitigate the risk of developing depression and anxiety. But I think the Vitality Explorer analysis and recommendations based on this paper are very strong. I think, it, I think this paper, remember it's 150,000 people and they found strong evidence that coffee can enhance our mental health. Um, again, the details are important. So it isn't like a fully loaded caramel macchiato uh, that's going to <laughs> produce the same results. So if you have a ton of sugar or artificial sweetener, it's really going to mitigate that value. But there is significant value to consuming unsweetened coffee or coffee with milk uh, to maximize its mental health value. Um, interestingly, you know, this idea of, you know, adding sugar or especially artificially sweetening your coffee may, may not uh, be a value if you do that. So um, clearly more research needs to be done in this. But I think we can we can point to coffee now as saying it has not only some physical uh, vitality uh, value, but also mental health vitality. OK, please check out the Vitality Explorer Substack site for further details, all the references, all the graphs. And you can also look at a previous post on Vitality Explorers about why coffee is you know, great for your brain. And that's called Brewing Brilliant Brains, Why Coffee Enhances Our Vitality. All right, let's move on to something a little more provocative, and but quite interesting, and that is, is more sex the fountain of youth? And so there's scientific data, again, this is what we try to do on Vitality Explorers, is to provide you with specific scientific data that may be actionable, but here's the sort of snarky thing. Scientific data suggests more action is better, okay? And there's, there's, a, there's a fair amount of mounting evidence that sex has 
um, data supporting it to optimize vitality and longevity. And what we're going to discuss here is this paper of, called, uh, here's the title of the paper, quote, Trends in Sexual Activity and Associations with All-Cause and Cause-Specific Mortality Amongst U.S. Adults. The second paper is Association Between Sexual Frequency and All-Cause Mortality in Young and Middle-Aged Adults with Hypertension. Okay, so there's two different studies, a total of almost 20,000 research subjects, and here are the two primary conclusions. Number one, quote, sexual activity appears to be a health indicator of all-cause and cancer mortality in the United States middle-aged adults. That's number one. Number two, increased, quote, increased frequency of sexual activity may have protective effects on overall health and quality of life in patients with hypertension. So again, those are the two major findings. The first study reported statistics on the overall frequency of having sex in adults. These are uh, in the United States. These are people who are aged 20 to 59, so adults um, and here are the findings. 71.7% had sex greater than or equal to 12 times per year, and they were then classified as having monthly sex. The second one was 36.1% had sex greater than or equal to 52 times per year, classified as weekly. So here's another conclusion from that study. Quote, participants with higher sexual frequency were at a lower risk for all-cause death in a dose-dependent manner, unquote. Okay, let me, this is again, I'm going to say this again. This is just a quote from the paper. Participants with higher sexual frequency uh, were at a lower risk of all-cause death in a dose-dependent manner. So the more sex you had, the less likely you were to die, right? I'm not making this up. The second study focused on young to middle-aged participants who had sort of a medical problem, that is hypertension, and the results were similar. And here's a quote from that paper, quote, increased frequency of sexual activity may have protective effects on overall health and quality of health in patients with hypertension. Wow. All right. So take that. You know, I love this uh, decreased risk of all-cause death in a dose-dependent manner. So you can think of sex as a dose. Interesting. Another report asked the simple question, quote, does sex make you live longer? And here are the conclusions from that report. Uh, number one, sex is an important part of life for people and it has many potential health benefits. Number two, the health benefits of sex include, include brain health, improved immune function, and lower rates of stress and cardiovascular disease. And number three, sex helps uh, to improve romantic relationships, which contribute to overall well-being and longevity. So here's the Vitality Explorer analysis, all right? So I think sex is a natural part of life that also is a scientific predictor of longevity. So a complex series of biologic events occur before, during, and after sex. Uh, and then a whole bunch of hormones are released, okay? So they're orchestrated by, these effects are orchestrated by a release of these hormones that can positively affect our health and longevity. So always check with your doctor, always check with your partner uh, before you, you do this. But I think you can, you can utilize this scientific data to suggest that um, sex is good for you, all right? You can also look at a related post on the Vitality Explorer Substack site called Five Ways to Cultivate Closeness. And again, you can look at the, the paper that we quoted from today, or one of the papers was Trends in Sexual Activity in Association with All-Cause Mortality. And then the other one um, was 
that related to that one in terms of trying to understand if there's a dose-dependent uh, change in your overall mortality if you had hypertension. So check those out on the Vitality Explorer Substack site. You can also see a couple graphs about that. We're going to finish this week's Vitality Explorer so, uh, uh, podcast with how exercise stimulates stem cells and body systems. So again, you can find all of this on uh, the Substack site. You can also sign up at vitalityexplorers.com for a free text message newsletter that comes to your phone once a week. Uh, our goal on Vitality Explorers, again, is to optimize vitality one person at a time. Uh, you're, what you're listening to and what you can read about uh, on the Vitality Explorer Substack site is my homework, and I try to consume anywhere between five and 10 articles per week, bring the top three uh, in, in a written and oral format for people to understand. So let's talk about how exercise is important. Now we know that, and, and it's very clear that vital people, or the most vital people, exercise relentlessly. Vital people also stockpile health. Stockpile health by working not just on their strength, but also working on their flexibility and their endurance whenever possible. And we're just now beginning to understand why all of that is valuable for our health and longevity. And this is this is fascinating research to me as an orthopedic surgeon and sports medicine specialist, but exercise promotes tissue regeneration. The mechanisms involved in therapeutic scope is one of the articles. Exercise promotes tissue regeneration. The mechanisms involved in therapeutic scope is one of the articles we're gonna talk about. And here are the key points from that article. So it's fascinating, and we know we know this, but this again is science. Exercise has protective effects on many tissue types in our bodies, including our skeletal system, vascular, and nervous systems. But what's cool about this data is that they found the protective effects of exercise depend on exercise-induced stem cell activation. And activation of these stem, cell, stem cells can be attributed to a variety of different pathways, including oxidative stress, and the targeting of these, these key regulators of exercise-induced stem cell activation is beginning to show significant therapeutic value. Now, what, what's also important, and we've discussed this before on Vitality Explorers, but it's very, very worthwhile to review it because it's rapidly emerging and still not that well-known, is that exercise stimulates molecules that are released into our bloodstream from our muscles and other tissues. And these molecules are known as exerkines, E-X-E-R-K-I-N-E-S, exerkines. So when you get on a bike, when you go for a walk, when you go to lift some weights, typically takes at least 20 minutes of moderate intense exercise, you're going to start to release these, these molecules that come mainly from, your, mainly from your muscle, but other parts of your body as well, into your bloodstream. And then they have a significant effect on a whole bunch of systems, not just your skeletal system, not just your bones and your muscle, but your nervous system, your cardiovascular system, your liver, your liver and your endocrine system. So another article talked about, um, was titled this, Exerkines, Exerkines in Health resilience and disease. Remember, exerkines are the title or the name of the molecules that, that come out of your, your uh, tissues when you exercise. And they, they can come in a variety of forms, like hormones, proteins, or even what were known as signal generating molecules. Um, and when they do this, there's a lot of positive adaptive changes that can occur. So a positive adaptive change may be improvement in your cardiovascular function. It may be a decreased risk of cognitive decline. It can also affect cancer. It can affect, certainly affect type 2 diabetes 
And overall, they start to affect your health span, your longevity, and your resilience. And I think this is something we need to talk more about, is resilience. And I see this every single day when I'm taking care of my patients, is that you want to get well, right? But if you are beyond well, if you are vital, you have a little more resilience before you become unwell. Again, let me pause for a second, because I love this idea of trying to build up what I call a buffer zone between being well and unwell. So if you've injured something and you get back to baseline, you're okay. You're not great, but you're okay. You're technically well. That does not mean you are vital. It does not mean you are resilient because a minor thing could result in you being unwell. So I think this idea of trying to rise into the vitality zone to build up resilience, and we're talking about uh, physical resilience right now. We can talk later about mental, social, and spiritual resilience, but it's a core, core concept of being vital. So a little bit of a digression. We'll talk more about that at some point on Vitality Explorers. But resilience is related to the exerkines. And those are the things that, again, come out of mainly your muscles when you work out. They're still very complex. There's a lot of work that needs to be done on it. But here are a couple concepts and quotes from the articles that are on this. Quote, irrefutable evidence supports the importance of physical activity in the prevention and treatment of chronic diseases irrefutable evidence. Exercise also enhances the immune system, health span, longevity, and resilience. The second one is, quote, conversely, physical inactivity poses a major health threat as it is associated with increased mortality and a notable economic burden. Okay, so this referenced article was published in Nature Reviews. Nature Reviews is a elite journal, and these type of journals typically use very conservative language. I have never seen a medical journal use the word irrefutable. Okay, that means that the evidence supporting that, um, and specifically the evidence supporting health, exercise for your health and longevity, is so powerful that it can now be considered a scientific axiom. So one other intriguing part of the exerkine research um, is the connection between exercise and cancer. Here's a quote from the paper. Quote, a meta-analysis pooled data from 12 prospective cohorts with self-reported physical activity found that increased physical activity levels are associated with decreased risk of incident cancer across multiple types. So let me translate that for you. Basically, a meta-analysis is a, is a study of studies. So it's a big study of 12 different other studies that looked at physical activity and found that more physical activity was result, resulted in decreased risk of cancer. So if you want to do something to help yourself prevent cancer and sometimes even help treat cancer, exercise is part, should be part of your regimen. And exercise helps your brain. So a pro, and, and the, the paper had a quote. Um, exercise is a, quote, promising non-pharmacologic strategy to maintain and improve brain function. So here's the Vitality Explorer analysis and conclusions. So the data presented in this post I think will hopefully inspire all of us to embrace physical activity as a way to stay healthy and vital. What we're trying to show is not just that it's sh you should do it, but why and how. And again, my hope with the Vitality Explorer work that we're doing here is to embrace the scientific approach to this, embrace the understanding of why exercise literally changes how your body works. 
Um, we're going to continue to monitor this space. We're going to continue to report back on this. But the concepts that are embedded in exercise as a non-pharmacologic way to stay vital are amazing and awesome. So on this week's Vitality Explorer, just to review the Vitality Explorer podcast, we've talked about how two cups of coffee a day can help de keep depression away. We've talked about how more sex may be the fountain of youth. And we, again, finished with exercise stimulates stem cells and body systems. Um, these are all three important. They're all connected in, in, a, in sort of a way of trying to enhance your physical, mental, social, and spiritual uh, well-being. That is, again, our goal on the Vitality Explorer podcast. You can see all the references on the Substack site. Um, I absolutely love doing this. I hope this is meaningful for anybody and everybody who's listening. If you're enjoying it, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please share this widely. Uh, sign up at Vitality Explorers for the text message news newsletter. And until next time, get out there in the world, try to make a big difference, and dare to be vital. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week.